everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. As we continue, uh, Elijah, um, I started him last week. And we worked on Elijah chapter, or First Kings uh, chapter 18. And uh, I warned you this week we're going to backtrack to chapter 17 uh, because I wanted to start with the origin when I thought uh, that a word for us in the new year was a challenge given at the mount uh, where Elijah said to the people of Israel, um, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? When it comes to the worship of Baal and the worship of God, if God is God, then follow him. And today, we're going to jump into uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, which is kind of the beginning of Elijah being on the scene, and uh, he starts it with a very intense uh, declaration um, that he speaks with authority, with his neck on the line. And so, um, go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17, and I will start. He says this in verse 1, As the Lord our God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there will be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So in, in verse 1, we see the beginning of this drought that is said by a prophet to the people of Israel. And he's standing before a group that had turned their backs on God. They were having an affair with a god named Baal, and their king had done more to offend God than any kings before him. Jezebel is his wife, and she worships Baal. And the people of God, it had become normal in the culture of Israel to entertain false idols, worship of Baal, and turn their backs on God. So Elijah's on the scene, and he comes in hot, and he says, no more rain and no more dew on a blade of grass until I say. With authority, he says, I'm cutting off your water. And then God says, okay, bud, great job, now you need to run. So he sends them to a brook. Now, what I love about this, and this is where I want to sit just for a second, um, because I think that a lot of times we have a hard time as believers in Christ uh, discerning and hearing instruction by the Lord. And we often ask ourselves, is that just me or is that him? When we come to a crossroads, say, should we go right or should we go left? And we wrestle and we struggle with, should I order a Reuben or a chicken sandwich? And we really struggle with decisions, especially when it comes to ones that we feel led by the Lord in. Especially when it comes to getting out of the boat. 
especially when it comes to big things like your vocation, like who you're going to marry, like having children, like, like allowing your kids to marry someone that you know is not equally low. Like All of these things are heavy, and they're decisions that we have to face day in and day out. And, and sometimes we have a hard time discerning what the Lord is guiding us to do. If he says go to the brook, we doubt it. If he says go to the brook, I'd rather go to the lake. If he say, no, however he's guiding, listening, hearing, and acting on the instruction of the Lord. So I read a book by John Ortberg um, before my wife and I actually moved here. Um, before we, we said yes to this, um, I was playing this game. Ah, I don't know. Ah, is that him? Ah, is it me? Ah, what is it? And so um, John Ortberg had a book that is a uh, it was like, honey, what like twenty, forty, fifty pages, small, beautiful, no pictures, but it was very little. So I loved it. All right. So um, I remember we'd sit out on the porch and we'd be reading uh, under the lights and. Anytime I read something that's awesome, I was like, bye, bye, listen, listen. So I'd read it to her. And I almost read her the whole book. And the name of the book is Knowing the Will of God. I'm like, that's it. This is, this is it. A small book, this is all I need to answer what's God's will, because I want that for my life. And so I get the book, but one of the things that he, that he challenged me on is understanding that all throughout Scripture, when it says that someone comes to the crossroad of knowing the will of God or knowing whether to go left or right, um, that, that the favor of the Lord would follow them. And that the decision, if it wasn't anything that contradicted Scripture, okay, if it wasn't something like, should I murder or should I not? No, that's very clear. There's no like discernment there that's needed. Um, but when it came to things that aren't specifically stated in Scripture for you today, what he's saying is that the heart of a believer, when they submit before making a decision, the following of the will of God, the favor of the Lord, as a, as a believer makes a decision in Scripture, is always more about their heart posture towards God than the decision that they're making. And so when, when we come to that crossroad, when he says what he says, and God sends him to a place, um, I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you that as you position yourself before the Lord, as you submit yourself to him with this decision that you're having to make, I hope, I, I was joking about the sandwich order, um, but some people need this, um, that, that in that drive through line, as you sit there and you submit yourself to him, um, that you say, Lord, if this is something that does not contradict Scripture, if it's not clearly already stated in your word, if it's not a commandment of yours, if Jesus Christ didn't address it in the beginning of this ministry that we call the church today, then, then, then God, I want what you want from me. And check your heart, position yourself before him, submit to him whichever way he goes, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in these moments. And what's great is if it's not very clear, if he doesn't have writing on the wall, right, if you, if, you throw, like if, if you do all these things um, and you still feel like he's not answering, you're positioning, you're seeking him. Make the choice that you feel like you should make. Go with your gut. And if it's that detrimental, if it's that bad, then guess what? He would have told you beforehand. But if you start going, you realize, no, I'm not, I don't want this sandwich. Then guess what? You're going to have a chance to reroute. So he sends them. He, all right, he said, hey, go say this. There's not going to be rain until I say there is. Not even dew on the grass. And then God says, okay, now run, go, 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 because they're coming after you. So he goes to the brook, 
And the reason why I put such a big emphasis on hearing the word of God and obeying his command is because of what happens at the brook. Go away from here, turn eastward, and go hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, and it shall be that you will drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. God goes big here in this moment where Elijah's on the scene and we see the provision of the Lord. Uh, So God says, go to the brook. You just said there's no more water. You just said there's no more rain. You said there's no more dew. Now go to this smaller body of water and drink from that source. And I will provide meat and bread by raven delivery morning and evening. All right. So he's got DoorDash happening twice a day. By the Lord, who's commanded a raven, and he's receiving nutrients from God in his obedience and following of the Lord. He's getting to enjoy this water that's right here, and uh, life seems really good, right? He's, uh, he's controlling the weather, and so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He obeyed. He went and lived by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. He was uh, carbo-loading. Yeah, they didn't have keto back then. And he went, and he would drink from the brook. It happened for a while. It happened, sorry, after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. When I read this, initially, I thought, okay, that makes sense. If one's consuming and nothing's going towards it, then it will inevitably go dry. But then I realized something, that God sent him to go to be sustained by the water that is there. And as he drank day by day, the water was decreasing over time. And he saw it. And there had to be a couple days before it was completely dried that he doubted whether or not he should be there. God sent him to something that inevitably ended. All signs pointed to pick up camp and leave. But God had not yet told him to leave. All He knew God told him to go there. And what I love about this is the next verse, God calls him to another location, but it wasn't until the brook was completely dried. And I, I know, I know that there are people that have obeyed the call of God, that have been led to a specific decision, that their, their brook is drying up that they're looking at their situation and they're doubting whether or not they actually heard God call them to what they're doing. They're looking at their relationship and they're doubting their hope is depleted because of the physical. They're looking at the horizon and they're waiting for their prodigal to return and they have not yet seen him. And hope is struggling. I love that God let the brook go dry because it gives me hope. (laughs) I love that God let the brook go dry and then he spoke. It happened after a while that the brook dried up. It was all Elijah's fault because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, arise, go to Zarephath, 
which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Jesus actually points to this, and he points to it um, two different moments uh, that widows are used and ministered to prophets, and prophets minister to widows, and um, we'll be hitting that later. Uh, but, but the fact is that the brook dried up. There was no more water, and yet he had stayed to the end. And then the word of God came and said, get up and leave. I've commanded a widow to take care of you. I've commanded a widow to care for you. And what happens at this divine encounter, it's just so good. So he rose. I love it. I love how obedience, obedience. You want me to go there? I'll go there. You want me to say this? I'll say this. You want me to get up? It's done? All right, I'll go. Some crazy widow? I'm in. God says it. Verse 10. So he arose. Arise and go. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came to a gate of the city. Behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. That is normal today, but that is special in the midst of a drought. The brook dried. He's asking her for something very valuable here. Can I just have a drink? Fetch me a jar. Verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord our God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in a jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go and prepare for me and my son that we may eat, that we may eat it and die. It was their last meal. Whenever there's, whenever there's drought in the land... Everyone suffers. When there's drought, commerce struggles. When there's drought, the poor get poor. When there's drought, the widows get poor. I mean, it's all very difficult. Everything suffers in a season of drought. Across the board, no matter what business you're in, everything struggles. This widow is preparing to, to make the final meal, her last supper. She's preparing it for her and her son so they can eat it and then They'll likely die. And Elijah, he speaks with such boldness and confidence, I believe, because he's confident in how he's been sent and what he's been told to say. But in verse 12, he says, oh, no, oil in a jar, prepare it and die. Verse 13, and Elijah says to her, do not fear, go. Do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first. (laughs) Feed me first. What? And bring it out to me. And afterwards, you may make one for yourself and for your son. And this, listen, 14, 14. For thus says the Lord of Israel, when Elijah speaks with authority and he speaks it from God, he says things like, it's done raining and it's not going to until I say. He says things like this. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day of the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. We have another story later on with his predecessor, Elijah, where we're dealing with empty vessels as well. Okay, And and Elijah is saying here, listen, you've got a handful, make me a cake. Then make one for you, then make one for your son. 
Because the reality is that jar will never be emptied and that oil will never run dry. Thus saith the Lord. The woman had to, she was gathering sticks to prepare the meal that would be the last for her and her child. And some stranger says, feed me first, then feed you, then feed your kid, and then you'll eat until rain comes and then all will be okay. And in faith, she does that. She does, she does exactly that. So she went and did according to the, how, to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. Verse 16, the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. So in her faith, okay, so Sunday, the last two Sundays, I've talked through what it means to, to build faith, to roots that go deep, for him to build us up. I've talked about the strongholds that, that compete, and the stronghold of the Lord, which is good, and the the, the, I believe the word in my life this year is something of building faith, that, that God does it. Jesus, uh, he's the perfecter and the author of faith itself. And so this moment, this woman who had nothing left was challenged to say, give up what little chance you got. And it was a moment for her to increase in faith, to be challenged, to be stretched, to be more dependent on God. And when we pray prayers like, let my feet go where I would not take them, eliminate the boundaries that I have in my mind and that fear creates. When we say those things, we will be challenged in those ways and there will be opportunities for us to increase our trust in God, to do what he said he was going to do and to follow through with it. Do we realize those are our prayers? That is what we're setting ourselves up for? I joke with this about my wife, but when we pray, Lord, extend our patience, Lord, give us more patience, that means we're often going to be put in a spot with our kids where we're going to have to have more patience, and then the Lord gives it. When we say, Lord, give us, give us more faith, God, stretch our faith, we're going to be put in positions that require us to trust more about what God said, about how he said it, about what he's done in our lives, and that his promises will always come to fruition. And we're in a season of testing. We're in a season of stretching. We're in a season where jars are almost empty. But Elijah says, feed me first. And thus saith the Lord, you're never going to go hungry. And she did so. As we continue in verse 17, and we're going to end with this portion. It says, Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, uh, the mistress of the house, became sick. The sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Sickness. So she said to Elijah, she responded in the flesh, What? Do I have to do with you, O man of God? You come here to bring my iniquity to remembrance and put my son to death. She blames him. 
He's, an, he's a prophet of God. He, she blames God. She, she's blaming, blaming. And then he responds in 19, give me your son. He took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living, laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I'm staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times, called to the Lord and said, O God, O Lord my God, I pray you let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned. He was revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house, gave him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, that the word of the Lord is in, uh, is in your mouth is truth. This is both incredibly exciting but incredibly heartbreaking. From my perspective, it's incredible to be reminded who has authority over sickness. It's nice in this season, in this moment, to be reminded who has authority over sickness. It breaks my heart that the widow didn't recognize God in the midst of the jars never running dry. She didn't recognize God in the midst of the oil and the flour never depleting, no matter how much they ate or drank, no matter how much they consumed, it was always enough. What I think is special, and this is what's important, that after the child died and rose again, what the woman saw wasn't Elijah. It was God. It was God. The words in your mouth are that of the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge us um, like, we're, like we're going for it. I, I just feel like doing that because I, I believe that you are. I believe that we are. When we begin to apply the things that God is teaching us, when we, when we begin to believe and act on the things that we hear in Scripture, and that we know that a God that always has been and always will be is constant and does not change. When we understand what we have today with empowerment of the Holy Spirit compared to what people went through B.C., which was God interacting with them, empowering them but from the outside in compared to today from the inside out, when we see this, and when we begin to live at our faith, and we begin to operate in the things that God calls us to do, when we go right, when we need to go right, when we go left, when we need to go left, when we go to the brook, we need to go to the brook, no matter how dry it may be, whenever we're sitting and submitting to God, whenever we're speaking and declaring what he's done in our lives, whenever we're living out 
the gospel and impacting others, when we're carrying the light, when we are the salt, when we're doing all the things that Christ has called us to do, when we're speaking truth into our marriages, when we're speaking truth into our children, when we're raising them to fear the Lord, when we're living like we fear the Lord, when we're doing these things, it is incredibly important that the people that see us, they do not see us, but they see him. And that is a byproduct of our humility. Because the reality is, if we're honest, we don't have the answers. He does. To be honest, we don't have the power. He does. To be honest, we are not capable of saving a marriage. He is. To be honest, we're not capable of raising a child. He is. All we have is our broken selves that we can bring before the Lord and say, do it and do it all. I surrender. If you're calling me to get out of the boat, I'm going. I don't care. Boundaries are gone. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Spirit. I want to operate in the Spirit. And that means everything's about Him and not about me. If we are doing that, when we do that, when you do that tomorrow, when I do that on Friday, when I do that on Saturday, when I'm yelling at the kids about upward, trying to get them on defense, right? When you're doing that on, in, in the shopping mart, in, when you're doing that at Harris Teeter, when you're doing that in your home, when you do that when you put your kids to bed, when you do that when you FaceTime your grandkids, when you do that when you come to church, this is what happens. We're no longer inwardly focused, we're outwardly focused. This is what happens. We're no longer complaining about the things, woe is me, but we're acknowledging the things that other people are going through. We're encouraging, we're affirming, we're making an impact, and it's all for him, and we are nothing, because we are. He is everything, because he is. And oh, what happens when we do that? You know what happens when we do that? We begin to do that, we walk in freedom. We walk in freedom. The ways of thinking from our past are gone. There's no striving. There's no do better, do better so you can be good. No, it's I'm going to be me, and that's good enough in his eyes, and all I want to do is continue to be in his presence. Hey, come with me. Come with me. Students, as we operate, as you grow, as the decisions that shape your future come before you, as you submit them to the Lord, he says, go to the brook. I don't care if the brook is dry. Go there. Stay there until he tells you to go somewhere else. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Marriage. Ready? Oh. Okay. If, if your marriage is dry, don't leave. If, you've, if, if you're there and it's not what you expected, don't leave. Just because it's dry doesn't mean that means God didn't, didn't send you. Just because it's dry doesn't mean that's not something where you need to be focused and intentional to be present with. Because the reality is, even if it's dry today, he provided you the meat and the bread. He sent the raven. There are highs in your marriage and there are lows. Just because it's dry doesn't mean you leave. If he sends you somewhere... You lean in until he sends you somewhere else. That's what you have to do. Because that's all we have. 
Elijah, oh, he's the man. Speaking with authority, risking his life, becoming completely dependent on God, being spoon-fed by a raven, (laughs) calling out the God of Baal, And next week, we're going to talk about Obadiah. That's the beginning of chapter 18, and we're going to walk through uh, that relationship and how it parallels with Elijah um, later on in 2 Kings. And so what I, what, I want you to, what I want you to walk away with today is know that when you're sent and when he speaks, do it. And if you haven't been sent anywhere and you never hear him speak, I'm going to say it, but hear my heart, know it, then shut up and listen. Because it took me a long time to figure out to be quiet. It took me like 30 years to figure out to just be quiet. Father, I pray for each person in here and everyone that hears it, Lord. God, I pray that when people see us, they see you. God, I pray that when you send us, God, we go. It doesn't matter what everything else looks like. It doesn't matter if the brook is drying up. God, I pray that we surrender to you. Expectations, I pray that we surrender to you. Those sad, dark moments, I pray that we surrender to you what's left in our jars. And if you say, give it, God, we give it. And if you say, do this, we do it. If you say go there, we go. We don't leave until you say go to the next place. God, whether you use a a king or a widow, an orphan or a child, whoever it is, to minister to us, God, I pray that we in humility submit to your leading. God, that you would guide us, that you would take us, that you would position us in in situations that demand an increase of faith, that require us to trust you more, that make us vulnerable to you. Because those are the places where our faith is stretched. Those are the places where you remind us of your character. Those are the places where you follow through and you get the glory and we are built up because of it. Our roots grow grow deeper because of it. Because of those positions and who you are, that is the key. And when we get the opportunity, God, to speak those things, God, I pray that those who hear it see you and come to know you and declare you as their Lord and Savior as a byproduct of our 
our faith, as a byproduct of our discipline, as a byproduct of our relationship with you, our rest in the shadow of your stronghold, God, that those that see us, they don't see us, but they see through us to you, Holy Spirit, that we are led by you, that we are empowered by you, that we give you the glory, and over time we become less significant, that the only thing that becomes more significant is how weak we are, how little we are, how little we deserve all that we have, and how how you, Lord, are the provider. You, Lord, are the healer. You, God, are the banner in which we operate in. You are the owner of our home. You are the leader of our family. You are the leader of us. You are the king of our hearts, God. You sit on the throne, and you reign forever, and we submit to you, God, and we give you the glory for it, God. Thank you. Let them hear that. Let them see that when they look at us, God. Let us live with a heart to get out of the boat. Let us live with a desire to be led by you, Holy Spirit. And let us respond in a manner in which you deserve. Father, thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.